0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Let's talk about COVID-19. And I don't mean the economic fallout from COVID-19 or the efforts to flatten the COVID-19 curve or the need for equipment to protect us from it. I'm talking about the disease itself. What is it like to have it? And what does the road to recovery look like? St. Louis Public Radio health reporter Sarah Fenton found herself asking those questions. And rather than just stop there, she got answers. She joins us today to tell us what she learned. So, Sarah Fenton, welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. So you talked to a few people who recovered from COVID-19 or are in the process of recovering. What range of experiences did this group have?
1: Um, It was interesting because... um, you know, the people who know they have COVID-19 are the people with more serious symptoms because we're not testing everyone. Um, But even people with sort of a more mild form of the disease, like they were sick for three weeks. Mm. And the biggest thing I heard from people, sort of the hallmark of this disease is this trouble breathing and a feeling like you can't get enough air into your body or someone sitting on your lungs or uh, someone described like having rubber bands around their lungs. And so that was really kind of the hallmark uh, symptom and also just feeling extremely tired all the time. Mm. And sometimes those got so serious that people had to go to the hospital. So even for these cases
0: that we don't think of as being on the very serious end of this continuum, this was something that went on
1: for quite some time. and, And in some cases, they were just feeling awful right even the you know the person that i talked to his name was tom frank he had sort of of all the people i talked to the the least severe form of this disease like he was still sick for like three weeks and like wasn't he was out like you're not able to do anything you're laid up in bed you're sleeping all the time and you know you can't breathe and so even a milder form can be really really serious. Hmm. Now we're going to play some audio from all these people that you talked to today
0: and I want to start with a guy you talked to named Clifford McIntyre. He described to you what it feels like to suffer from this illness. Let's listen to Clifford in his own words.
2: Well the COVID feel like you know you just feel like you're drowning. You're you in the water and you're trying to reach the top. You can't breathe, you know, and you're panicking that you can't breathe. And, you know, y- y- your head is like worse than a migraine headache because you're not getting enough oxygen to your brain. And it's like you can't eat. You don't have an appetite and you're real tired. You're real tired. And I do believe that's why a lot of older, older people you know transition to heaven you know because the covid-19 is, it takes over your body where you so tired you know your body can't your body can't win you know and um like I say I just thank God that me and my wife we are survivors we made it through and you know just through the grace of God you know we we here
0: And that was Clifford McIntyre. You also talked to Melissa Stone. She's a doctoral student in cognitive neuroscience at St. Louis University. Here's what she described.
3: Within 24 hours, though, the sore throat got way worse. I started getting headaches. Um, The fever got higher and higher. And um, it became immediately clear that I was really sick. Um, Especially the level of fatigue was beyond what I had ever had with flu or cold. And meanwhile, just I had no nasal congestion or anything, which was very bizarre for me with getting sick. And I also noticed that I had a tightness in my lungs. So it felt like um, like the heavy duty rubber bands that you sometimes get on like vegetable produce, it felt like those were around my lungs. And I started noticing that they especially felt like they were around my right lung and that all of my sore throat seem to be moving to the right side.
0: And that was Melissa Stone describing her experience with COVID-19. She she tells it so well, and this is just such a vivid description.
1: Just hearing this, it, it kind of makes you terrified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really lucked out with the people that talked to me. They were They were so good at describing what they felt in these very understandable ways. Because, uh, I mean, as a health reporter, I've done so much work on, like, what's the virus doing? Like, what's the strain on hospitals? But what I thought was really missing was, like, what does this actually feel like? And, um, yeah, it's just, like, you can't breathe and you're wiped out and your body just sort of, like, breaks down for a couple weeks. Like, you can't do anything. And so... She was um, Melissa. Also, had pre-existing health conditions, um, and that made her really, you know, worried because she, you know, she's in neuroscience. She's a sort of in like the health field. Her husband is a doctor. And so she knew that she was at risk and that made her even more worried that like once she started having these symptoms, she was like, oh man, I could really be in trouble here. And yet she had kind of an interesting
0: experience here. Um, And again, this is Melissa Stone. She's a 28-year-old doctoral student in cognitive neuroscience at St. Louis University. She has epilepsy, and I hope I'm not going to mispronounce this, uh, is it Ehlers-Danlos syndrome? Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. It's like a a connective tissue disorder. Okay. And so... So, you know, she had these pretty serious pre-existing conditions. Once her COVID-19 symptoms became worse, she went to the ER.
3: Let's listen. The whole experience was just absolutely exhausting. And then there was such a disconnect between, you know, the SLU care nurses who had been keeping care track of my care almost daily. They had wanted me to go to the ER that day and basically told me there's no other option you are going. And then the doctor at the ER was furious that I came in and scolded me when he came in for my consultation at the very end and told me that I shouldn't have come in unless I was gasping for breath and scolded me that now this room needed to be disinfected because I came in and that I'm definitely positive and I've exposed everyone. And just me as a patient in the middle, like, who am I supposed to listen to then? Like, this was this was a serious, like, cardiac issue and it was it was kind of infuriating um, just not knowing what I'm supposed to do.
0: And that, again, was Melissa Stone. And as she says, that just seems infuriating that she was chastised um, by an emergency room doctor for going in. Did anyone else describe an encounter like that?
1: I know Clifford and his wife Cassandra had trouble, too, because they went to an emergency room, um, at sort of like their usual hospital. And they found that, uh, and they didn't get tested there because, um, I think they, you know, he had a history of pneumonia. And so, um, and also testing, especially back in last month was very, very limited. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people had, um, a lot of people like Melissa had trouble getting tested. And so, uh, Clifford actually didn't get tested until he got, to the hospital the second time. Um, And I think it just shows like, this is a very new disease. It's been around for what, five months total at this point. And a lot of people are, they don't know what, they don't know what to do um, on either side. The patients were, I mean, maybe doctors have a better idea of what they're seeing, but they're still not kind of like a, A standard course when it comes to treating and recognizing COVID. What happened to Melissa was really interesting because what we've been hearing is, you know, don't go to the ER unless you have very serious symptoms because you don't want to strain the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. Um, but the thing is, it's like when you leave that up to patients, they don't know what's serious. The, um, you know, this is a new disease. It's not like the flu, where you kind of know what to expect. You know, with COVID, you're sick for a really long time. You have these very serious symptoms sometimes, and I would be worried. And when people are worried, they go to the ER, and people are getting a lot of mixed messages about like, do you go to the ER? Do you not go to the ER? And so every doctor that I've talked to said, um, you know, if you're if you're if you don't know, call nine one one. Call your primary care physician um, and. Uh, and they'll walk you through your symptoms to see. But then what happened with Melissa was she actually went in and she was f- following all of these instructions. They
0: did tell her to come in, right? She. Had they told her, The nurses told her
1: to come in, and then the doctor was like, why did you come in? Um, I think it really underscores how this is a new frontier and people don't really know, like, what to do sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, I also talked to other doctors and they said, like, that's unacceptable. If someone goes to the ER, you treat them like they're a member of your family and you take their concerns seriously. And so I'm not sort of excusing how that doctor reacted, but I understand that it's probably a very stressful situation for everybody at this point, especially uh, the healthcare workers. And so uh, it, it, it shows that it's a new frontier and people don't really know exactly what to do sometimes. Yeah. And that
0: seems like almost the hardest part of this is people are experiencing these symptoms. We're all sort of unsure of how our own pain capacity is versus others. Like, are we feeling this more deeply? Should we go in? Are we in an emergency situation? Are we not? These people are flying
1: blind in a disease that hasn't been in the U.S. all that long. Exactly. Like if I was having trouble breathing, I would probably go to the E.R., right? Like I'm very lucky that I haven't caught this disease, but I think that some people, it's like they, you know, they, they don't know exactly. They don't know.
0: I'm curious because when we talk about this from a policy perspective, we're always trying to compare it in some ways to just the generic flu. Is this killing more people than the generic flu? How is it worse than the generic flu? Did any of the people you talk to who have actually had this, um, did they feel that their experiences were comparable to the flu or did they not even bring that up? Um
1: I got uh the the answer from a lot of people that it is like super duper flu like flu with an attitude is what one person called it. <laughs> um and again it's like flu follows a standard course and COVID doesn't. And also from what I heard from everybody I talked to is this was worse than anything they had ever felt. And it's it's understandable, right? Because it's a new virus and people's bodies haven't really built up any kind of immunity to it. And so when it hits you, you don't have any defenses to help you. And so you get really, really sick. And that's one of the things that, you know, obviously is really, really dangerous about this virus is that people don't have immunity to it. And when they get it, it's serious and it's more serious than the flu for a lot of people. And Which that was is interesting. But yeah, because at, at, the, at the front end of the disease, even I was reporting and I was talking to people and they said like, these symptoms are virtually identical to the flu. You know, you get a fever, you get a sore throat, you get a cough. But as this disease has progressed, you're starting to see that it does have a lot of different hallmarks than a traditional flu or even a traditional cold.
0: Now, you know, you mentioned for people where this gets so much worse, and Clifford McIntyre was certainly one of those. He ended up hooked up to a ventilator. And in this next clip we're going to play, he described to you the fear he felt at at this point. Let's listen.
2: Not being able to see see my loved ones and then just hearing people getting on ventilators, not making it out, I was extremely scared and nervous. And, you know, and that was the last time I seen my wife and the last time I see my daughter was a day before that and I haven't seen I, ha- I didn't see my mom or dad or brother in like a week or two so it was just real real just crazy and nervous and, and scared.
0: And that, again, is Clifford McIntyre now. He beat the coronavirus, and that makes him somewhat unusual in terms of people who get sick enough to use a ventilator. A lot of those people end up with really bad outcomes. He described to you how it feels like to have come out on the other side of this.
2: I, I don't want to wish that on no nobody, even my worst enemy. I don't want to wish nothing with anything got to do with this coronavirus. Like my wife said, you know, we, we stuck together. We talked about it. And when we watch the news and we hear someone that beat it, you know, we we get emotional and we be at home clapping and hooraying, you know, cause you know we know how it feels to just finally come home after being in the hospital nine and ten days, not being able to see no family members. I mean, it was it was pretty rough, but you know we made it. Thank God we made it, and we doing better. And, you know, I, I, we have people we know now that's in the hospital that's fighting for COVID. And we praying for they safe home and they safe well-being so they can reunite with their family.
0: And that, again, was Clifford McIntyre. And how great to hear just the joy in his voice as, as they're hurraying. Um, did the other two people that you talked to, um, did they just have similar feelings of, of gratitude for being on the other side of this?
1: I think they just were sort of like wow i made it through mm-hmm. um i <laughs> you know i i uh, all all the people that i talked to it was really important for them they were all very positive people um and so i think they just kind of kept their eye on on getting through the day and getting through the next day and then the day after that and honestly i mean i don't know how else you would get through something like that especially if you were in in the hospital you know you can only really focus on yourself but um I know someone just, it's its kind of amazing, like, oh, I was sick. And then the day that I started feeling better, it was just like, they couldn't believe it. They kept mm-hmm. on saying like, Oh my! Like, like, like checking their feet, checking their temperature, and checking their temperature. Because another thing that happens with COVID is like you sometimes get better after about a week, and then you get worse again. Hmm. And so that was what happened to a lot of people. Was they were saying like, "Oh man, am I getting better?" Like they didn't trust their recovery at first because they were worried that they could get sick again. But it was going to come right back and get them again. Exactly. But at this point, yeah. they're all doing well. Do any hurdles or any major hurdles remain for for your interview subjects? I think it's, you know, they're still recovering. Um, everyone I talked to, you know, they, they I, I did like social distance interview, <laughs> viewing with them. I put a microphone on a big long pole and we wore masks. Um, and so they were all able to like kind of meet with me and, and walk around and talk. But you could tell that some of them, especially, you know, like Clifford and Cassandra, they were the people who had most recently recovered. Um, and they were, you know, like you could tell they were still, they were still in recovery. They were still a little tired. Um, they were a little, you know, obviously they didn't want me in their home because they're worried about getting sick again. And then also, um, you know, like they're not going back to work. They're still sort of all recovering at this point. So it's a long recovery process and it, you know, it can take weeks and weeks and weeks.
0: Okay, so these people, they uh, they went through this long recovery. Some of them are still in the middle of it, but people are doing well today. Um, was there anything that described you or su- surprised you in their description of what they endured, something that you hadn't anticipated based on what you know?
1: Hmm. I was surprised that even the people... Um, Sometimes, and then, I mean, I don't know if this is surprising, but it's something that I think is worth mentioning is that even people who can get really sick, it's like they, there's no guarantee that they can get tested. Mm. And um, so like, for example, like Melissa was saying, you know, even though the doctor said, I definitely have it, um, like she wasn't able to get a test because she didn't meet the criteria at that point. And it, so and unless some people want to get admitted to the hospital, and then it happened to Clifford too, like until he got admitted to the hospital, he didn't get a test. And so I think that's something to keep an eye on, especially as we look at reopening the state gradually is, um, how are we going to keep this virus contained and track where it is and keep people safe if, if even people who are very sick are not able to get tested? And that was something that I kept thinking about as I was reporting this.
0: That's an excellent point. And Sarah, in our last couple minutes here, we actually have a caller. Um, Joe from Festus um, is calling in because apparently he and his wife both had the coronavirus. I'm, I'm very curious to hear about his experience. Oh, wow. Yeah, Joe, um, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air.
4: Hi, yes. Um, my wife and I both had it um, back in March, and um, um, I didn't know if you would uh one of some of the uh, things we experienced. Yeah, going through I, it.
0: I'd love to hear. Um, you know, you heard some of these other people talking about what it was like for them. How does your experience
4: compare yeah. to that? Well, um, we got through it mostly at home, um, but I'd say probably ninety percent uh, of the way through it, it gave me pneumonia, so I mm. had to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. I was in the hospital for four days recovering from pneumonia. Oh my! But um, we did get through. Uh, she got through it a lot better than I did. I reacted. Uh, a little bit differently. I had um, um, a lot of breathing issues at the end, but she recovered and, and I wound up uh, basically having to go in for pneumonia. And they treated me with, for that, uh, for those symptoms rather than the virus itself, since it was at the end of the exposure. And, and uh, Joe, lifespan.
0: you said this was in March. So this was mm-hmm. um, at least a month ago at this point. How long did it yes. take for you to feel, yeah, I actually feel like myself again?
4: Yeah, I would say uh, to get through the virus where we could tell we were pretty much done with it was at least two weeks. But to get back to normal, um, the way we feel normally is probably four or so. Oh, wow. Week, roughly. But um, the hospital stay, uh, the, the nurses and the staff and the doctors there were just outstanding And, and uh, with their concerns. And, the, of course, I never seen any of their faces because they were totally suited up. But the ICU <laughs> wing was totally coordinated. Uh, cornered off there, you know, they had uh, locked doors and everything was uh, sealed off and, you know, I wouldn't let any visitors come in or
0: wow. anybody
4: in, you know, but, you know, it was really weird because, you know, you'd have a, a really bad taste in your mouth, like a chemical metallic taste. Uh, you lost mm-hmm. your sense of taste, your smell, your sweet and salty foods were very much amplified to where you couldn't eat them because they were either way too sweet or way too salty. Um, mm-hmm. Just your sensory of Everything was just out of whack, pretty much.
0: Boy, it just sounds so weird. And that idea of being in a hospital and everyone is just in, you know, full mask and covered and you can't see their faces, it's almost like something out of a nightmare. Um, and Joe, it's just so great to hear that even though it took weeks and weeks that you are feeling like yourself again, you're feeling better. Do you feel like you have a new appreciation for, for oh, everyday very life? very much
4: so. And if I can make one last quick comment is there was an interview on TV with a university coach that said he went through it. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about still working through it. And he only had one night of fever. And, you know, everybody handles this differently. But mm-hmm. uh, when they put someone on national news saying that, oh, it's not any worse than a common cold, that's very wrong. And to put that out there to make uh, that statement puts everybody at ease where if they get it, it's not going to be a big deal. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, I think that was wrong for for that interview to go out uh, to the public. Airways, a of, of national report.
0: So, Joe, you'd like to leave us with the impression this is absolutely a big deal and we should do everything we can to avoid getting it.
4: There's no way I could go through it again. It's the worst thing I've ever experienced. And um, uh, we were blessed that we got through it, uh, both of us, and uh, very thankful for that. But uh, a lot of people can't. You know, the immune systems are compromised. The elderly, you know, it's just a bad situation and uh, everybody should really take this seriously um, and uh, protect themselves and each other.
0: Well, Joe, thank you so much for those thoughts. And thank you for for sharing this with us. We're so glad you're doing well today and and your wife as well. So thank you and and good luck to you um, with that new lease on life now that you've run through the gauntlet on that. Um, And I also do want to thank St. Louis Public Radio health reporter Sarah Fenton for joining us today. Yeah, anytime. Thank you so much. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU.